0: Father, we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, we just glorify you. Thank you for today. Thank you for enabling us. You empowered us, you enabled us to come into your house. It was our privilege, our honor that we could worship you. And now, Father, I pray, help us to be still, still Lord. and Put aside everything that distracts every burden everything else that excites let it all be put aside and help us to be still and to be seated in your presence that we might hear you speak to us pray father each one of us would hear what you have to say to us today for you are the living God And we are the living stones, and your word is the living word. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and Amen. Over the weeks, if you have been uh, with us, you would understand the train of thought that uh, we've been going through over the weeks, over the months, over the years. But remember, we live in, like Dickens' famous novel, in the best of times and the worst of times. Best of times in terms of technology and the ease that it brings. The worst of times in the way everything that was called sacrosanct and holy in time breaking down. The entire fabric of society as it breaks down. From the text, first text that you will see on the screen, which is from Genesis chapter 2 and uh, verse 21 to 24, you may think that today it's a wedding message. No, it's not a wedding message. It is a message for those who are already wedded and are waiting for their wedding, which means everybody. Okay, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Like I said, the church, the believing church, is the only voice, sane voice in the fast changing world. Everything, as the way God ordained it, has been turned around. Okay? Everything has been literally, without understanding, literally been turned on its head by Deception and deceptive voices. okay? If you look at it, that's not the message but I want to say if you look at it, for everything you think about in life, everything God has his order and man changes the order. When you change the order, the only thing you can expect at the end is confusion, chaos and destruction. In this order, God says in this order, this is an aside, okay? In this order which is connected with marriage, God says a man shall leave and he shall cleave and he shall become one with his wife. Now the order has been changed in the 21st century. What happens is first they become one. It's not a laughing matter. It's a real true matter. First, before they get married, they become one. It's not for condemnation, but I'm saying how the order changed that 's why repentance is there. When you repent, God cleanses you as if you have no past, okay so understand in the kingdom of God it is not condemnation, it is conviction because conviction leads to repentance, repentance leads to sanctification and justification. okay so it is not condemnation. they become one, and then they are struggling to cleave. marriage. They get married, struggling to cleave. And then finally, they don't leave his father and mother, they leave each other. That's the nature of today's marriages. Because order was reversed. Order was reversed. So don't reverse order. When God says something, whether we understand it or don't understand it, whether we like it or don't like it, remember there's enormous security in it. It's because he said it. So everything has its own pattern in God's kingdom. And as God's people, when we come into the house of God, the purpose of teaching is to see how is God's kingdom ordained. Okay. So in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15, we will see through the apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit and Jesus speaks and tells us for this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So when governments tamper with laws that define what a family is, and uh, society is tamper with it please remember the family the concept of a family is not of human origin it is of of god and god in his infinite wisdom chose to compare a family with himself with the trinity with the trinity In the process he called the head of the family the man after his own name father. He called the children in the family he called the son after the second person of the trinity. By simple process of elimination we come to know who represents the Holy Spirit in the family. There is only one person left. That is the woman the wife The mother, okay? Because family, the concept of the family is not of human origin. It is about divine origin. That's why we study to see, yes, I'm building something here. Oh Lord, help me to build according to the pattern that is in heaven. When Moses was asked to build something, he was told you be very careful that you build what I tell you. I'm giving you a pattern and the pattern was of something from heaven and he was replicating it in on earth. And when he replicated it exactly as God wanted it, scripture says his fullness came there and they couldn't even worship. He came in His all His glory. So everything has its original pattern in heaven. And we replicate it in His strength, in His wisdom, in His guidance on earth. So we know over the weeks we have looked at different aspects of life. We have looked at work, difference between job and work. We have looked at will and purpose. We have looked at relationships and the choices we make on Wednesday, if you were there and if you were not there, I would request you to listen to the message. We looked at friendship, true friendship, the greatest relationship possibly you can have on earth is friendship. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said this, greater love a man cannot have or the greatest of loves is this, when a man lays down his life for his friends. And like I said, so many marriages are in trouble because husbands and wives are not friends. It is true. They're husbands, they're wives, but they're not friends. And so many brothers, siblings in the family, brother, sister, brother, brother, all have issues. It's because they are not friends. Father and son have issues. It's because either they don't grow up or And become friends. Mother and daughters never gel even after they are all in their 40s and 50s and 60s is because they never became friends. Because scripture says it is a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother. So after he's been with three, with them three and a half years and when he has poured out his heart to them. Because that's what a friend does. A brother may not pour out his heart to his brother. A husband may not pour out his heart to his wife. A wife may not pour out her heart to a husband. A friend will pour out to his heart or her heart to a friend. When he had poured out his heart to them, he said, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. And therefore friendship, not the way the world talks about, but friendship. And we looked at Jonathan and David. Two friends and how David's life was literally defined by in the initial years, desperate years of his life was defined by his friendship with Jonathan. So today we are not going to look at it, at any of that. We are looking at primarily, okay? I am only giving you broad outlines and we try to fit into that. Primarily we are looking at The woman, hello, the wife, the mother, the mother, the woman, the third person represented by the Trinity. Okay, the reason is, when you study the word of God, the word of God is very clear if you are willing to obey and believe. We don't argue with it. We don't compare the word of God text with other texts. Don't try these things. Now that you've been in the kingdom for so long, don't ever compare this with anything else. Compare this with this. Let scripture interpret by itself. Don't argue with it. You can have reasonable doubts, questions, so don't argue with it. okay? Because you will be miserable all your life. Nobody has won an argument with God. If you have doubts, ask Job. He will tell you. Okay. You see, nothing is happy. Created. Nothing created is happy. Until it it fulfills its purpose for existence. Until it has fulfilled its purpose for its creation, for its existence, nothing, nobody is happy. God has made Everything with a purpose. He makes nothing by accident. Nothing. Even if you are here today by accident. You may think it was an accident because many people have come to this church by accident because there are other services around and they didn't know where and came here and got saved. Okay? Or frightened. One of the two. Okay. Nothing is an accident because God has a purpose behind everything. Like I said, nobody sitting here is going to be happy, he or she, young or old, until you fulfill the purpose for which you were made, created. People, especially young people today, all around the world, whatever movement they may call it, they all talk about rights, 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 rights. All kinds of movements. It's only about rights. You rarely hear about purpose. Purpose. In truth, we have only one right in life. That is to find God's will and purpose for life and then fulfill it in God's strength. That is the only divine right I and you have. Find God's will, find God's purpose, find God's strength and fulfill it. That's my right. Everything else is not. In Genesis chapter 2 verses 19 and 20, we see God planning out everything. Okay, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Can I, can we just for this, this portion shift to KJV? You see, God is planning out everything carefully. He's planning out everything carefully. Everything is created, Adam is created, and all the animals. All the animals are being brought to Adam. And he says, you're in charge, you name them. He would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Okay, I am sure he didn't name them in uh, English, but whichever language he spoke. okay, Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the fowl of the air, every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. God was seeing whether this first man, made in God's own image, would choose... Somebody for himself from all he had created. But well, Adam named all of them, but his soul didn't touch any one of those creation that was brought before him. And then scripture says he could not find a help meet for him. In verse 21, scripture says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And it took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Unlike any other creation, unlike any other creation, all the other creatures, from the lion to the elephant to the snake to the birds to the fish, God said, let there be. And they were. The only one that was different was man and woman. Verse 21 says, The woman was made from man. She was not only made from man, she was made for man. The lion cannot say that the lioness was made from me and for me. No. The chicken cannot say that. The only ones... In God's divine plan was made from and made for was woman was made from and made for understand that primarily all the sisters sitting over here understand that primarily God didn't look down from heaven and uh, in his spirit he saw a hungry family and say I want somebody to feed them no or he saw a dirty house and said I need somebody to clean it no or saw a child in future and said, I need somebody to bring him up. No. no. God looked down and saw that man he created was incomplete. That's what. Verse 19 says, he was incomplete. Man was incomplete. Everything else was complete. All of creation was complete. Except one one part of God's creation alone was not complete. Who was that? It was man. Man alone. When woman was made out of man, man was made complete. Help me, it means, purely theologically, not meaning wise, theologically it means, the woman completes man completes man. The other interesting part of woman, unlike the rest of creation, including man, is Genesis 2.2 2 says, Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he has done. From every work he had done, he rested on the seventh day. Woman alone is the creation of God from his rest. From his rest. Alone is his creation from his rest. That's why they, have, they are the ones who have the capacity to make man restless. Which is true. As we go through the messages, we'll understand. But she's the creation of God from rest. After six days of creation, everything was good. Everything was good. Scripture says God said it is good, and God rested. But only one person on earth was incomplete and that was man. Incomplete was man. Even work was instituted by God for man before the woman was created. So even work was there. Genesis 2.15 Then the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. Woman is not there. Man is already working. But God is saying that man will be incomplete and he will not find his satisfaction even in his God-ordained work. Because to make him complete, I have to create something out of him. Okay? So understand this. See it this way. A woman comes to an incomplete man and completes him. Then receives the benefits of his completeness. That is her purpose. That is her purpose. To help him, help meet, help him to be a complete man so that he can lead her to be that complete woman. If you sisters... Want to find your purpose in life. Your purpose in life, sisters here. Just find in the Bible what the Holy Spirit does. He comforts, so does the woman, the mother. He instructs, so does the mother. He teaches, so does your mother. He empowers, so does your mother. He encourages, so does the woman, the mother. He strengthens, so does the mother, the woman. He helps, so does the mother. Yet, the Holy Spirit is unseen. And the problem is, we want to be seen. Learn from the Holy Spirit. Fathers learn from the Father. Children learn from the Son. Because the whole family on earth... Gets its name from the triune God in heaven. That's the first family. As the Holy Spirit determines the disposition or the atmosphere of every Christian gathering. Every Christian gathering, when we come together in the name of Jesus Christ, the atmosphere is determined by the Holy Spirit. If there is the Holy Spirit, there is life. If the Holy Spirit is in there, there is in life. It is determined by the Holy Spirit in the same way in every home, every gathering. The atmosphere is determined not by the man, but by the woman. Not determined by the man. It's determined by the woman. Whether it is good or bad, there is one thing a woman does. She determines the spirit and atmosphere of any place that she is. That's the difference between yesterday's meeting, which was men, and today's meeting, where there are women. You see... I'm an old fashioned man, okay, very old fashioned, brought up by this old, old book, which for me has never run out of fashion. (laughs) Because when I look into the world and then into the word, I always see this word never meant it life to be the way it is. Never meant it to be this way. We find our strength in the word, we find our pattern in the word, we find everything in this word. Everything is found in this word. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, scripture says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. The spirit of the man is what? The lamp of the Lord. Now just an aside so that if you are new to scripture, to make you understand, the spirit and the soul is not the same. We are a tripart person. We have a body and in this body we have a soul and we have a spirit. If we are born again, we have a soul and a spirit. The soul, of course, has its mind. And it has its will and it's, its emotion. So if you say where exactly in my body is my soul, we are not very sure. Sometimes it's here. Sometimes you believe with all your heart it's here. But I can definitely tell you where your spirit is. Your spirit is in your belly. Because Jesus said out of your belly. That's why when spiritually, when you are hit, you feel this emptiness here. You will say it was like it was like a hit in the belly. Okay, oh, he didn't say out of the head. He didn't say even out of the heart. It's he out of the heart the issues of life. But he said, out of your belly shall flow the rivers of your living water. Okay, understand the difference. If you, if you even our regional languages, some have, some don't have. Soul is pran, spirit is atma. They are not the same. Okay, so. When we get back to this text, scripture says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the body. Okay? Keep at the back of your mind the home, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit and a home on earth, the father, the mother and the children. Think about that. Okay? And fit it in your own situation. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. We know from scripture, God uses human symbolism so that we understand it. He has used it as types. God is light and God has often manifested to Israel as fire. Okay? Israel as fire. Only when the spirit of man yields to the fire of God, does he fulfill his purpose. When the spirit of man yields to the fire of God, does he become a lamp of the Lord? Otherwise you're just a candle that doesn't burn. Getting the picture? Now explaining how the family works in God's eyes, the, the, the ideal family in God's eyes, there are certain things which God says, rather all things that God says you have to first accept in your heart. That's when my breakthrough came years ago, many, 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 many years ago. I made up my mind about one thing, whether I like it or I don't like it. That alone is the truth and I receive it. I don't care how many people, how many opposite ideas are put across. I will believe this is the truth and the only truth. Because some of the things which God says, we don't like. Because the flesh doesn't like those things. And I'm going to show you one of the things which you won't like. Which is found in First Peter, if I'm right, chapter 3 and verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dealt with them with understanding. Wives, Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker. Now, The first things you have to accept is that if God calls the woman a weaker vessel, that's what you are. If you don't accept it, you will fight God all your life. He says, I didn't say it. So you don't fight with me when you reach heaven, fight with him. Okay, I didn't say it. If he didn't say it, I would never say it. I have no opinion to give you. I just have scripture to tell you. So if God says to the woman, you are the weaker vessel, then I have to accept even when I feel weak, I am the stronger vessel. My weakness has nothing to do with God's truth. God's truth says even in you are weak, you are still strong. And tells the woman, even when you are strong, you are still weak. Because I said so. That's how order comes in a kingdom. Because the world is full of confused men and women trying to find happiness and ultimately dying miserably because they are searching happiness, fulfillment, contentment outside God's word and outside God's purpose. You won't find it. There are fundamental principles in the word of God which is connected to him and his kingdom Which doesn't change. And one of them is this. Always in the Bible you will see. The first command. The first command. Is always given to the weaker vessel. And not to the stronger vessel. It is always given to the follower. And not to the leader. Strange right? If you look at the principle in God's kingdom. Example Ephesians 5.22 Wives submit your own husbands as to the Lord. It is first given to the weaker vessel before God will address the stronger vessel. In verse, next verse, in 25, three verses later he will say husbands love your wives. The first command is given to the weaker vessel. The second command is given to the Stronger vessels. Who is supposed to start? The weaker, not the strong. Continuous, I'll show you. Ephesians 6-1. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The first command is given to the children and not to the parents. To the weaker vessel. And then in verse 4, he will say, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. The first command is given to the wife and then to the husband, then to the children, and then to the parents or the father. What does he mean by this? What he means by is that the child wants his child to obey first, even if dad is wrong. That also means you have no rights until you have done your responsibility. That's what it means. Example again. The first command in Ephesians 6.5 is given to servants. bond servants. Be obedient to your masters. Who is it given to? The employees. Not to the employer. To the employees first. And then four verses down and you masters the second command is given to the master, to the employer. Now, that's what we don't want to hear. But that's God's order. So the onus is on the servant to kickstart the wives, the children, you do first and then the other is told next. That's God's way. We may not like it. When two things are made for each other, neither is complete alone. Neither is complete alone. Okay? The fire was made for the candle. And the candle was made for the fire. And neither is complete if it is alone. Note this. Fulfillment comes Only, listen carefully, okay? Fulfillment, contentment, purpose will be fulfilled only when the weaker makes itself submissive to the stronger. When these two get together, the fire does not become the candle. The candle becomes the fire. When the man and the woman come together, they don't become the man. The woman, they become the man. When the fire and the candle comes together, the f- candle doesn't, the fire doesn't become the candle, the candle becomes the fire. That's God's order. Every problem man has come, has comes from this one error that the weaker, as God determines who is weak, not according to your education, according to your stature, according to your riches, according to your knowledge, according to your physical strength. No, it's got nothing to do with that. God says, this is weak, this is strong. That's all that matters. Every problem that man has comes from this one primary error. The weaker does not yield itself to the stronger. And weak and strong, as I said, is not determined by popular culture, but by God alone. The wax must acknowledge that the flame is superior. And when it does, it becomes the best candle and fulfills its existence. Fulfills its existence. As long as the wax fights the fire Neither of them fulfill their purpose. All it generates is a lot of smoke. And sound. Shakespeare would say, a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. That's how most marriages are. Sound and fury signifies nothing in God's kingdom. Why? With the candle won't yield to the fire, the fire won't light the candle. And God says... No. In every relationship, this is true. A man gets into trouble when he does not yield himself to God. A child gets into trouble when he does not yield himself to his father and mother. A wife gets into trouble when she does not yield to her husband. A Christian gets into trouble when he does not yield to the Holy Spirit. A citizen gets into trouble when he does not yield himself to the government. And the sheep get into trouble when he or she does not yield to the shepherds. Every human trouble is caused originally because what is subordinate refuses to yield. That's the history of creation. The devil refused to yield to God. Adam refused to yield to God. Eve refused to yield to Adam. That's what God says. I didn't say this. Genesis 3.17, he tells it very clearly. He said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, she should have yielded to your voice. instead. You yielded to her voice in contrary to my voice. You should have yielded only to my voice. And she should have yielded to your voice. Because you would not, he says, what is now is cursed. All of creation, which God said is good, he says, is cursed. But remember, in the word of God, the burden of initiative or initiating the first action is first placed on the follower. Unlike in the world, it's on the follower. Why? Because followers make leaders better and more easily than leaders make followers. God knows it's more important to be the right kind of follower. A good follower who will follow even when he does not have the right kind of leader. God is always trying to get a good follower to make him the right leader. A good follower is the one who will follow Even when the leader is not right. That's how he made Moses into the prince of Egypt. Movie title, but shepherd of Egypt. That's how he made Joseph the prince of Egypt. That is how he made David the prince of Egypt. All of them had to be first good followers of bad leaders before he could make good leaders out of them. Leaders out of them. That's what we learn from all of them Joseph, Daniel, and above all Jesus. They were obedient followers, yet they did not sin. Therefore, they became great leaders. Today, the problem is everybody is a leader without ever having followed. It is a, If you go by the principles of the kingdom as the order in which God puts scripture, it is a greater sin for the child not to obey the parent, than for the parent not to rear him in the fear and admonition of God. Do you hear me clearly young people? It is a greater sin in the sight of God for a child not to obey his parents, than for the parents not to have brought the child in the fear and admonition of God. Let me tell you, did David's sons obey him? No. Did God admonish David for that? No. He didn't. He said he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and rested with his studies He's a man after my own. I said, I know you goofed but your sons who rebelled against you, I will not spare them. Understand how the kingdom works. It doesn't work the way we think. The sons could not say our father is unjust and he picked up all these women and all these children. He said that's none of your business. I only told you one thing. Obey your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. It's a greater sin for the wife not to submit to her husband than for the husband not to love her. Understand kingdom. It's a greater sin for an... Employee, not to treat the employer right than the employer not to treat the employee right. If Joseph had not treated his employers rightly with honor, he would have never become the prince of Egypt. It didn't matter what Potiphar did to Joseph. God was watching. Will you honor your employer or not? Because in the word of God, God always put, puts the first command to the weaker to obey the greater. Weaker in terms of position, not in terms of strength. In position, he tells the wife, you are a weaker vessel to the position. It's only when the candle submits to the fire, there is light. Also, second thing, okay, connected with this. Because God uses the word, the candle and the spirit. Second point I want to make this is, a candle is of use only when it is lit. A candle is of use only when it is lit. Candle has got a very specific purpose. The purpose of the candle is to be lit so that it gives forth light. That's its purpose. We have all these new decorative kind of things. You see them, you don't want to light them. You want to keep them in your showcase. I also did it in the beginning when people came up abroad and brought you that sending thing and all kept it in the showcase. When the power went, also you didn't want to light it. <laughs> but that was not the purpose of the candle. The purpose of a candle is to bring light and it will fulfill its purpose only when it is lit. What does it mean? It means this: a man is never going to fulfill God's purpose or be content. Unless his spirit has yielded to the Holy Spirit, he will never be a light. If your spirit has not yielded and continuously yields to the Holy Spirit, you will never fulfill purpose. And if you don't fulfill purpose, it doesn't matter what you become in the world. Like Lot sitting at the gates of Sodom with all the wealth in his possession, your future is doomed to misery. Because you are created creator to fulfill his purpose. A wife is never going to be happy unless she has submitted to the leadership of her husband. And a child is never going to be content unless he learns to honor and to yield to his parents. The unlit candle is bigger than one that is burning. The one that is burning grows smaller and smaller. But you know one thing? It is fulfilling purpose. The other one may be bigger, prettier, but useless, actually in your home. I also know about those candles which I kept in this showcase. Finally, when we kept on moving home and there was no place, I threw them out. Why? Because it was not fulfilling any purpose. The ordinary looking one we used when the power went. What does it mean? It means a candle was not made to decorate but to burn. You and I were not made to decorate this world but to burn for Christ. We are not decorative items. We are meant to burn and we will never burn unless we learn to yield in God's order. You can take a candle, put lipstick on it, tie a ribbon on it, put a hat on it, pin a flower also on it. It is not going to be happy because it was created for one purpose, to burn and give forth light. Because in the human terms, people try all these things, but at the end of the day you have to look at them. Miserable, miserable. The same way man can do everything and still will be unhappy if he has not learned to yield to God-ordained authority. A woman can do 101 things, yet will be miserable if she does not submit to her man. A child can be the best in the class, the greatest on the sports field, all those things. But if he doesn't yield, he will die miserably. Because a candle is usable only when it has submitted to the fire. Another truth. A candle is truly beautiful, truly, okay, not with our eyes, but truly beautiful only when it is lighted. Now think about all these ornamental candles in your showcase and that ordinary candle on your table. And the power goes. What do they look like? Dark. And you light this. Now which is beautiful? Which is beautiful? Candle is truly beautiful only when it is lighted. A man, a woman or child is only truly beautiful when it is lighted by submission, by yielding. Question is, do you want to be beautiful? Do you want to be beautiful? Shall we read that whole chapter once again? This time, first six verses, first Peter. Read it, meditate it, chapter three. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word. So that's the scripture for all you sisters sitting here, who's... Husband is not a believer. All young ones sitting here whose parents are not believers, the principle applies. Meaning, don't fight with your unbelieving parents. Don't fight with your unbelieving spouse. Be without a word. Without a word, they may be won over. How can they be won over by walking around like this? No. They have to see something else. When they may be won over by the conduct of their wives. When, take this principle and put it across into every face you have to yield. Whether you are a man or a woman. The man has to yield. Talk less to God. Listen to him more. Principle for man. Okay? If you are an employee, an employer is mad at you, let him be won over by your conduct in the office. If you are a child, let your parents be won over by your conduct. If you are a wife, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, yeah, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Let me tell you, ask any married man sitting here. After the first week of marriage, two months of marriage, three months of marriage, ask them, do you know what your wife looks like? He will say, no. I only know what she is. She is. It doesn't matter what she looks like. He knows what she is. And if she is not beautiful inside, it doesn't matter how much decoration she has outside. He despises her. I'm talking to you as a man. Sisters, understand it. It doesn't matter how rich your ornament is, how many lipstick you have, how many you dress out outwardly, it makes no difference to your husband. It may make a difference to all the other men in your office. Doesn't make any difference to your husband because the only thing that appeals to him is what you are. Not what you wear. What you are outside. He says rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. What is that? That is the spirit that heals. Which is very precious in the sight of God. And then God says for in this manner in former times the holy women. That's the only time holy is used with women in the Bible. Not that they were any holy otherwise. Holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. How did they adorn themselves? With a meek and a quiet, submissive, yielding spirit. And then he uses one name out of thousands and thousands of names he could have spoken. He says one name and he says, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are. Let me ask you this question. Was Sarah a beautiful woman outside? Yeah, she was. At sixty-five or sixty-six, she was so beautiful that when they went to Egypt, the Pharaoh's servants picked her up for the Pharaoh's harem because she was so beautiful. At ninety, and pregnant, when they moved to Gerar, Abimelech, the king of Gerar, picked Sarah because she was so beautiful. At 90, for the king's harem. But when God talks about Sarah's beauty, he's not mentioning anything of what man saw outside. He is saying she was a meek, quiet, submissive spirit. And he says, Sarah, you're beautiful in my eyes. And I will see to you that no man except your husband will lay a finger on you. Because you are so precious and beautiful in my sight. All these men are after your outward looks. But I see how beautiful you are inside. They are not going to touch you. Even if your husband is a weak man. I will protect you and preserve you. The beauty that comes from illness. This is the kingdom of God church. This is not the world. And the world will not receive this. This is the kingdom of God. And that's why scripture enjoins us offer your body as a living sacrifice and do not conform to the pattern of the world but by the renewing of your mind you will know what is the good, pleasing, perfect will of God, our mind, the reason you come to the house of God is not to hear five steps to succeed in the world, four ways to go up in your office no you come here so that your mind may be renewed with the word of God that you start to see and think like God because he himself said my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not yours so the church is the place where we learn to align our thoughts with God's thoughts and align our ways with his ways because he and he alone is the one who never changes changes and he will not change because he's true and faithful forever that's the purpose we come that's why we teach and teach and teach and teach and teach and teach why so that your mind might be renewed not in the ways of the world but in the ways of the kingdom 90 year old woman pretty yet God turns around and says you know what you are beautiful in my sight I read about an old time pastor. All of them are dead and gone. This pastor talks about another pastor. Pastor's wife. He was talking. He knew the pastor and he knew this pastor's wife. And she was a nag. You know what nag is? Hmm? Sparrow. That is the meaning of the word Zipporah. Poor Moses. Moses' wife was... I believe she was a nag. That's why she has a name like that. Wouldn't let him do anything. This is my father's house. What are you saying? You can't circumcise my children. God had to deal with her so strongly that she would finally allow him to circumcise his own sons. The man of the covenant going to rescue the people of the covenant. His own sons do not have the sign of the covenant. Why? Mother won't allow. I am the boss. So God is telling her, on the way to Egypt, you don't circumcise your children, you will have a dead husband on your hands. And she does. This pastor says, this lady was an act. Many years later, he saw this lady. And he said, I looked at her, and I said, hey, what happened to you? Did you lose weight? (laughs) She said, no. Did you change your hairstyle? She said, no. He said, you look so different. She said, better or worse? He said, I have never seen you look so good in your life. What happened? She said, you know me, right, pastor? He said, yeah, I know you. He said, one day, when my husband, the pastor, came at two in the morning, home. I was dressed and waiting for him. As soon as he came home, I told him, honey, Get out, get straight back into the car. And said, let's go back to church. He drove me to the church. And she said, open the door. He opened the church door. He said, put on the lights. He put on the lights. And then he took him by hand to the altar and said, kneel down here with me. He knelt down there with me. She put his hand on his head and said, my Lord, my God, forgive me. Today, I surrender my husband to you. He belongs to you. He said, everything changed in my life from that day. I even looked better. Because I realized I never had learned to yield. I wish. If you are having trouble in your marriage, yield your husband to God and then yield to him. Everybody is still. They are calculating the cost of yielding. (laughs) Calculators are out in the mind and the buttons are being rapidly punched. A candle is truly beautiful only when it is lighted. Now, another thing about the candle. A candle is not only beautiful when lighted, but also warmest. You know warmth, heat, hot. It's also the warmest only when it is lighted. Even the coldest of cold winter, when it is Biting cold outside, minus two, minus three, minus ten. When you light the candle, it not only gives forth light, it is also warm. Do you see cold, emotionless men, frigid women? Do you know what the two disciples said on the road to Emmaus? They are not very sure who was walking with them, but they are saying, you know what, our hearts were burning when he was speaking to us. If your spirit is yielded to the Holy Spirit, you will be warm. You will not be a cold person. Jesus was one of the warmest people you could walk around. He was not this emotionless person. He could play with children. He could discourse with religious leaders. He could talk to condemned women. Full of warmth. To couples, if there are couples here who have trouble in your marriage and you believe the flame has gone, note, the candle is warm only when it is lit. You want warmth Back in your relationship. Passion back in your relationship. Man. Yield to your God. Woman. Submit to your man. Let me tell you as a man. Men are turned off by unsubmissive wives. Doesn't matter even if you have an hourglass body. And you are prettier than Hollywood actresses. They are. Turned off by unsubmissive, rebellious wives. You want warmth back? Yield. And you will see the fire comes back. Because that's God's order. Some of the issues in the marriages are all very practical. Very practical. You try it, it works. Warmth will come back. Your man, you feel you are so emotionless and frigid and yet serving God. No. Surrender your spirit to God. Let fire come. Let fire come. You look at the men in the Bible. They were always emotional. Either they were depressed, discouraged, still preached. Some emotion was there. They were not like these cold statues going around. This thus I speak in the name of the Lord. No. They were angry. They pulled the beards of people. Some of them slapped them. They did all kinds of crazy stuff. But they were on fire. Why? Because the spirits were yielded to God. You will never hear about Moses with Zipporah. Yes? But you will always see Moses with God on fire. You will never hear about Samuel's wife. And Samuel with his wife. But you will always see Samuel with God. Why? It hey. was an issue in those marriages. I am talking about marriages where there were issues in the Bible. Then, as we come closer to communion, I want to tell you this. Take an unlit candle and a lighted candle. You know, an unlit candle has no marks on it. It looks beautiful. No marks on it. On the other hand, you take a burning candle Often you see the candle is bent. There are marks on the side. Marks on the side. Cracks on the side. It may be hollow somewhere. The other one looks beautiful. How do you want to end your life as a beautiful unmarked candle? Or as Paul says, my entire life has been poured out and I bear his marks on my body. What is his last request? Lying in the prison. He says, please bring my old clock and my parchments. What are you going to ask in your last days? Please bring my lotions. Don't forget to bring my nail polish. What will be? Because that's what you will be if you do not change and understand I am called to be a burning candle and not an unlit candle. What will you be? What will we be? You know Mrs. Spurgeon? We know about Spurgeon. Everybody knows about Spurgeon, right? Charles Spurgeon. Our young man Eric once in a while will grow a beard and try to cut it like Spurgeon too because he has this great idea to imitate Spurgeon at least in look if he cannot match him in the word Spurgeon, everybody knows Spurgeon but people don't know about Mrs. Spurgeon in the latter days of Spurgeon's ministry Mrs. Spurgeon became invalid Spurgeon at that time was at the peak of his ministry while his wife is bedridden in a wheelchair and she became bitter very bitter One day someone came to her and said, Ma'am, what has happened? You have lost your glow, your charm. And she complained, I am in this wheelchair or bed all the time. And Spurgeon is gone most of the time. And one day another person came who heard this came and told her, Mrs. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon is the greatest gift God has given England. Won't you become the greatest giver England has? Because your husband is England's greatest gift. You can be England's greatest giver. It's your choice. That changed her life. It is that. It's said that after that when she sat in a wheelchair or reclined on her bed, She had this look of peace and beauty because now she had given herself and her husband to God and to England. We have to see stuff through God's eyes and the kingdom of God. A rebellious man is never a happy man. A rebellious wife is never a happy wife. A rebellious child is not a happy child. A rebellious citizen is never a happy citizen. A rebellious church member is never a happy church member. Why are they not happy? Simply because they have not yielded. The ones who have yielded, like Joseph or Daniel, they don't need alcohol to make them happy. And I know many of you young people drink. Sneakily. Because I know in all the schools, in high school, The boys who are day scholar bring liquor mixed with Pepsi or Sprite or water in your schools. Just because I don't confront you, do not think, we do not know. Those who are yielded to God and to man don't need alcohol to give them a kick because they are content. They don't need abusive substances. They don't need any of those things. But they are miserable. They are miserable. Why? Because happiness, contentment in the kingdom comes from yielding. That's what Jesus came to show us who are in the kingdom. The power and the beauty of submitting, of yielding to God and to His order. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, he went down with them. With whom? With his parents. Can you imagine? We read, there was a man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was waylaid by thieves. He also went down, but he was not waylaid. He went down with them, came to Nazareth, and he was subject. Because he was subject, he was not waylaid. If you are yielded. You can go. We love verse 52. But we do not know 52 follows 51. That Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. He had favor with God and man. Only because he was subject. Subject. He was subject. Through his life. When we see him. 18 years later. We see him only 18 years later after this incident. In Matthew chapter 3. 13 to 15. Then. Then. What is the next thing you see? He came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. How many kilometers? You all know well. How many kilometers did he walk to get baptized? 70? Kilometers. yielded to his father in heaven. Walked don't try to prevent him saying I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me what did he say? Jesus answered and said to him permit it to be so no, 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 no I understand your logic your theological argument alright but you know there is something else my father said I need to get baptized by you so let me yield to you brother As soon as he came out of the water, what do we see? We see the father saying, this is my son who is well pleased and the spirit comes upon him with power. The blessedness of yielding. All the way. Ultimately you see it in Luke 22 verses 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. And saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours will. He was yielded to the cross. And what happens next? And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. You see, we all want the ministry of Angels. We want angelic intervention in our lives to strengthen us in the hour of trouble without yielding. When he yielded, his friends had failed him, his disciples had failed him, his family had failed him, the crowds had failed him, everybody had failed him, but God did not fail him. He said, you are yielded, my son. I will send my angel to strengthen you in your last hour. Do we understand? Do we understand how the kingdom of God operates? There is power. We can hear it. can receive it, obey it, or you can reject it. The word of God will never go void. One of the things God has taught me is that my word has never go void. It will always achieve its purpose. To break those who have to be broken, to harden those who have to be hardened, my word never goes void. It will achieve its purpose always. Some will be saved. Some will be judged by the same word. It never goes void. as we heard earlier. Scripture says about the three stages of His will. The good, the acceptable or pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Three stages of His will. Jesus put it this way by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But it comes, Romans 12, 1 and 2 begins by, it comes by yielding. He says, yield, I beseech you, I beg you brethren he says offer, press and yield your bodies first and then in verse 2 he says yield your minds to Christ don't conform to the pattern of the world otherwise we will will be saved without fulfilling God's purpose because it's only through yielding we'll ever know the purpose of God we study scripture man was made for God and woman was made for man and only together they complete God's purpose. Man was made for the outside world. Woman was made for the inside world, the home. Scripture is very clear. In Genesis 2, even before, in, before woman was created, in Genesis 2, 8 and in verse 15, you will see God created the garden and He put in verse 15, man to work. Eve is not even included in the outside work. Like I said, I'm not an old man, but I'm an old-fashioned man. Of the book, of this living book, in a very confused world. When I know something is true in the word of God, I refuse to change. Woman was not made to till the soil. She was not made, created, made to drive the truck, to break the stones, to lead the church. Or head the state. No, she was not in God's plan. But it was her job to determine the atmosphere while these jobs were done. It was she who determined in what atmosphere these jobs were done. I'm, this may be my personal opinion, but I believe I am right. Woman was never meant to head the state. No. Even if Hillary wins, she was not created by God to head a state. No, that was not. It was man. That's why you look at presidents of U.S., past two presidents of U.S. You know, Obama, Barack Obama's approval rating is 52. Michelle Obama's is 64. That if she were the nominee, she would win hands down. She's more popular than her husband because she creates the atmosphere in the White House. Because of two wars, Iraq wars, George Bush was never popular even when he left. But Laura Bush's popularity was so high because she created the atmosphere in the White House. It's been that way. There are work which God has said man should do. But for man to do that work happily, cheerfully, it is his woman who creates that atmosphere. You can make him or break him. Woman can make Eden a paradise if she chooses or she can bring a curse on all of humanity. She can make a ark inhabited by animals a wonderful home or she can curse her husband like Job did. She can ruin a nation like Jezebel or she can change a house to a church like Priscilla. She can make a service great by giving all like Phoebe whom Paul commends first in his greetings in the book of Romans or ruin it by withholding some like safira she can fill a home like mary magdalene with fragrance or destroy a home with sarcasm like michal the eldest daughter or the second daughter of king saul and be barren the rest of her life she is not the head but she definitely is the neck anytime A woman is present, she determines the spirit and atmosphere much more than a man does, even today. The atmosphere in the church after the Holy Spirit is determined by the women and not the men. Though she is not the pillar of the temple, she is not the pillar of the temple, she is the altar of incense that makes everything fragrant within the temple. One man of God said it this way. Man worked before woman was created, but after she came, he worked harder. Man ran before she came, but after she came, he ran faster. Man jumped before she came, but after she came, he jumped higher. Man was good before she came, but she he excelled after she came. Sisters, you can change the atmosphere of a home or a church or a nation. There are two kinds of women in the Bible. One stands with the beauty of Sarah, as she declared Abraham her Lord. With the courage of Deborah, as she stood beside Barak in the battle. With the depth of Hannah, as she agonized in prayer for her son. With the faith of Ruth, who would go into the promised land, not knowing what awaits her there, with the devotion of Rizpah, as she washed over the corpses of her dead children, so that even the heart of the king was moved. Or the royalty of Esther, as she stood before a king and spared a nation. Or the humility of Mary, the mother of Christ, had no clue what the angel was saying, but said, let it be done unto me according to your word. Or the hard work of a Martha, who served God every time you see her. Or the holy devotion of a Mary Magdalene who refused even his dead body to be out of her sight. Yet within her lies the potential to destroy. The contempt of Michal for her husband, the rebellion of Jezebel will bring down her house and the kingdom. The murdering ambition of Athaliah, who would kill her own grandchildren for power, and the hatred and venom of Herodias, who will spur her own daughter to see the head of John the Baptist, the greatest in the whole testament, is brought to her on a platter. The woman is capable of both, because she is represented on earth as the Holy Spirit is represented in heaven. Whether it is good or bad, there is one thing a woman does. She determines the spirit of any place where she is present. Jesus is the one we exalt, but the Holy Spirit gives us the power to exalt Him. Jesus is the way to the Father, but it is the Holy Spirit who takes us there. Everywhere, anything God has done, there it is this unseen third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that is done which was not done by the Holy Spirit. In a home, the man is the father. The children are represented by the son. And you mothers, you wives are represented by the Holy Spirit. And you can choose what you want to be. There is this unnamed woman in the Old Testament. She's called the Shunammite woman. You know the story of the Sunnahite woman. Everything that happens with Alicia in our home, and the husband is there, she, they are rich. You will see at the center of it, she is there, but she is not named, because she is a type of the Holy Spirit. And one day, she is blessed with a child, which she didn't ask for, but God granted her. The child is in the field with the father, and he has this strange sickness. when that sickness comes, he starts crying, my father, my father, my head my father, my father my head, my head, what does the father say? Father said carry him take him to his mother she knows what to do you look back, anybody's life the time of crisis does and ask for his father. He says, mommy. You ask at the big six, seven hunk on baseball or basketball when he has scored and he's the champion when he's being interviewed. You know what he says? Have you heard them? Hi mom, this is for you. This is for you. That's why." One great man says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. You can choose to be what God wants you to be and complete his creation or you can choose to compete. You can either compete and be miserable or complete. That's our choice. And also to make you feel good, sisters, never as far as I know, my scripture, as God said, it is not good for a woman to be alone. But he looked at man and said, guys, you are incomplete without a woman. It's not good for a man to be. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you. Your scripture, your word is a revelation of your heart, your home, your kingdom. And you have said in your word, all those who received him, he gave them the power to be the sons, the daughters of God. Help us to grow. Help us to grow and be what you created us to be. Do the works you created, you chose for us to do. Even before the foundations of the earth were laid. Not to do our works of oh God, but to do your works. Help us to surrender. Help us to yield every day our bodies, our souls, our spirits to you, Father. That we might know, truly know, that you might reveal to us what is your will for us. What is your purpose for us? That we may receive your Holy Spirit without measure each day. That we might fulfill that purpose of God. Oh, Father, then there is joy. Then there is contentment. Then there is happiness in our lives and in our homes, oh God. I pray, Father, our young people will surrender. Our men and women will surrender. Older ones will surrender. All of us would be a surrendered people. So that you can make leaders out of us. Thank you, Father. As we go into a new month, I pray your presence goes with us and goes before us. We do not know what the month, what lies ahead for us in this month, but we know, Lord. If you go before us, that's all we ask. You go before us, then who can withstand us? If God is for us, and if God is with us, then Lord, nothing can stand against us. Thank you, Father, that we are called by your name, sealed with your Holy Spirit. Go before us. Make our path straight, God. Help us to decrease, that you may increase, that all men may be drawn to you and not to us. Bless your people. Heal those who are sick. Strengthen those who are weak. Let there be peace in homes, peace in lives, breakthroughs for those who are looking for breakthroughs. Let this month be a month of incredible miracles, God. Because you are a miracle working God, O oh Master. Not only for those who are here, but those who hear the messages and for all your people in all of the churches around the world, Let this be a month of victory. For this purpose, the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. If we believe it, we proclaim it. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I just bless your holy name, Lord. And we ask your church, your people, we lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, Father. We bless your holy name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.